case you haven't figured it out, um, we're doing things differently today. Um, there's some prayer cards um, at your table. Uh, if you have something on your heart, uh, feel free to write something down and just leave it there. I'll be by to pick it up when our service is um, concluded today. But we're going to just dive right into the Word and uh, keep going. There's going to be a few notes up on the screen, but not too many. Um, and there's some Bibles at your tables, should you need one. Um, but I'm hoping that we're able to, to read together, to share together, to follow along uh, together um, in this, in the Scriptures today. A few weeks ago, um, a team... Um, including myself, it was Kristen and Joe and, and Shannon, kind of had a creative team meeting, and we were able to kind of dream and vision together, okay, so Josh doesn't feel like he's floating all alone. Let's come together and, and figure out what's on the heart of our church, some messages and some themes and some titles and things like that. And we're, we're planned out now tentatively through January, which I'm super excited about. On the flip side, plans can change. God lays something different on your heart, and we're not afraid to abandon um, that plan. And so I've been um, thinking and praying through this week, and Friday I sent Shannon a message. I'm like, um, really sorry, but we're going to not go with that um, this weekend. I just feel that message, um, it would it could have worked, but it wouldn't have been what we needed. Um, and so... Prayed about it, talked about it, and uh, uh, a couple people helped me set all this up. Joe, one of them, um, right there, and people this morning, um, Yvonne and Preston with the, all this, and, and Sharon and Debbie, and just so thank you guys for helping put this, t- you know, helping put this together. Um, I'm sure I left someone out, so please don't try to feel offended. Um, but in the message today, I just really want to focus on on the word and why. We're doing what we're doing today and why we should be doing this on not just, oh, it's a once a month type of thing. And maybe that's fine for us. But there's so much more behind it. Before I get into a big chunk of scripture, I want to kind of set the tone. Bread in almost every single culture is... Symbolize, symbolizes a peace offering. And like when you, someone moves into a neighborhood and, and you get welcomed, you're often greeted with a loaf of bread. Um, bread is in virtually every culture across the globe. And I think that's one of the reasons why, knowing this before and after, Jesus refers to himself as the bread of life. We're going to talk about what that means and why bread um, I think there's a reason Jesus didn't say, I'm the steak of life. You know, a lot of us might like a good porterhouse or a good filet, you know. Not every culture embraces the beef, you know. It wouldn't have been universal, you know. Everyone, I'm the sushi of life. Doesn't have the same ring to it, you know. I'm the bread of life. Bread transcends borders. It opens hearts and simply can open doors. It's welcoming. It's inviting. And there is nothing like smelling fresh baked bread. Nothing. I'm not, I got to visit Miss Yvonne this 
week. Um, she was helping to put some of the stuff, and she was baking bread. And as it came out the oven, I'm like, oh, oh nothing like that smell, nothing like it. And um, it's just, there's something just makes us feel at home. Before we, like I said, we dive into a big chunk of scripture about bread and why that is, we need to kind of set the tone again. Um, before the Last Supper, it was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, or the Passover. Okay. Now, why is it called the Passover? For that, we need to jump back to Exodus chapter 12. And that was virtually the last of the what we'll call the ten plagues. And that's where the Lord came through. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to synopsize it for us. Um, there are a big chunk of scripture we'll get to in a second. But um, when the Lord came and really to help let the people go as Moses was crying out, um, God came and killed the firstborn of every man and animal before Pharaoh would concede. And he gave the Israelites a heads up that this was going to happen. He said, what you need to do is you need to take a lamb, lamb for every household, where you can share if you have to, if you're just lamb shortage. But he said, try to lamb for every household, depending on how many people are living in there, and kill the lamb. The lamb must be without defect. It must be perfect. It must be pure. It can't have like a broken leg or hobble or like a weird eyeball hanging out. You know, it's got to be a, a good offering. Kill the lamb and put the blood around the door frames so that when the Lord comes and passes through, he will see that lamb, the Passover lamb, that's why it's called Passover, because the Lord will pass over you and not harm you. So that tradition continues even today uh, in the Jewish culture. Um, and they celebrate Passover. Now, don't forget this, Jesus was Jewish. Let's let that sink in again. If, you, if, you, if that light bulb has never gone off for you yet. Um, <laughs> they were celebrating Passover before the Last Supper. Okay, And there's so many symbolisms here because Jesus, for us now, is that Passover lamb. You might have heard he's called the Lamb of God. right? The Lamb of them must be pure, must be without blemish. Jesus led a sinless life so that he was the pure sacrifice for us. And when he came to make a new heaven and a new earth and a new covenant with us, the rules about doors slightly changed. It wasn't so much our house. It was our hearts. And in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, um, I'm going to turn here just really quickly. This is in John's Revelation. And there's letters sent out to, to uh, seven churches in this, this dream, this revelation. Uh, from John. This is for the church of Laodicea, but I believe it's people, a lot of churches use this scripture, um, maybe infallibly, but I think it's very good and relevant for us today. It's just John, or sorry, Revelation chapter 3, and this is verses 19 and 20. To those, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, 
I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Why would he come in and eat with you? The fellowship, the communion with the living God. And God is asking us, each one of us this morning, in these walls and outside of these walls, open the door to your heart. Because I am the sacrifice. The Passover lamb has already been shed for you. The blood should be around the doors of your heart. It should be shown, should be worn, should be evident in the things you say, the things you do, how you act. He comes in and eats with us. Shares communion again. Our big chunk of scripture this morning comes from John chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 25 and go all the way to verse 69. To set this up, you need to know two things that have happened before this in this chronological order. Okay, We're getting ready to again read John chapter 6 verse 25. Two, things have, two really major things have happened before this that make a big impact on what Jesus is saying. Jesus has just fed the 5,000. You remember what he fed them? What multiplied? It's fish and, and bread, right? Bread. Again, there's, there's bread. Why bread? Okay. The second thing, Jesus has walked on the water since then. So he's both humble and breaking bread, and also God and man doing things that we can't do. So we're going to pick up here in verse 25. He's trying... He just kind of got away because the people are kind of following him around wanting two things. They're wanting more free food. That kind of sounds familiar maybe to some of us today. More free food, more free things, right? More freebies, more handouts. I'm just going to follow this guy around. If he can do that with fit, to, you know, a few loaves and fish, yeah, I'm thinking my, my human needs are taken care of just by following this guy around. The second thing they want from Jesus is they want to force him into a hostile takeover, and again, kicking out the Romans. They want him to be king, like general king. Not king of hearts, but king of land. And he's like, that's not me, and he goes and he escapes to a mountain. So anyway, uh, verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, and that's why that makes sense, when they found him, like, where's Jesus? He's like, this ain't getting out of here. So when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Again, we know how he did. He walked on water. So (laughs) Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? (laughs) That's not enough. What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. But it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down 
from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, as if they're not catching on, I am the bread of life. I just kind of told you that. Um, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. Whatever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. At this the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the father and learns from him comes comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. And I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. Again, I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. At the time, this makes no sense to the disciples and the people asking him these questions. To us, it might a little bit now. Oh, that makes sense. Jesus is going to die. No matter how many times he told them, they didn't get that. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Why is Jesus going all cannibal on us? That's gross. Again, they're still thinking so literally, they can't see it despite their face. So, Jesus said to them, Again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He's, he's playing along with them, right? All right. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching at the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And like, It sounds like Jesus is a vampire. What's going on with all this my flesh and blood? It's kind of weird we don't get it aware that his disciples were grumbling about this jesus said to them does this offend you what if you see the son of man ascend to where he was before the spirit gives life the flesh counts for nothing the words i have spoken to you are spirit and they are life yet there are some of you who do not believe for jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him he went on to say this is why i told you that no one can come to me 
unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. That's where this passage will stop for right now. It's, like I said, a fairly large chunk, but there's a lot in there. Bread of life. Why does he keep coming back to this bread of life? Because he knew what was going to happen. And for that, I'm going to turn back to Luke. Luke chapter 22, and I'll be reading verses 14 through 20. Luke twenty-two fourteen through 20. Jesus knew what was going to happen. He knew why he said, I am the bread of life. Fun fact, in many cultures, cutting bread with a knife is not allowed. You break the bread. For those of you youngsters like myself growing up, and I'm looking at this table and that table over there too, you know sliced bread wasn't around until like 19, what, 20, 28 or 32 or something like that? They didn't, it was just only whole loaves of bread. The comedian Betty White jokes about this, but, you know, just whole loaves of bread. If you want to cut bread, guess who cut it? You did. Um, we didn't have these wonderful slicing machines. But in many cultures, it's the breaking of bread that's important. If you're in the act of sharing bread with someone at a table in a foreign country and a guest comes in, you don't even stop breaking bread or acknowledge them until you're done with the bread. That's how important bread is. Oh, hey, you're here 10 minutes later. Sorry, <laughs> we're just breaking some bread. This is a big deal in these Eastern cultures, and we've lost some of that. You know, we, we have turned communion into, you know, this is church behind-the-scenes um, slogans, but things like rip and dip. This is words you may not know. It's called intinction. That's where you take off a piece of the bread, and then you dip it in the cup. And we're going to be some, doing something similar like that today, but in a completely different way. We're not, I don't want a line today of just let's cycle through and get this done. You know, the small little mini cups and the cardboard wafers. I don't know where those come from. If you ever had uh, those at, at other churches, that's fine. That's not bread. Um, I'm sorry. That that's not food. Um, I don't know what that stuff is. This is. <laughs> so we kind of turn this into the the. A, business to some extent and it's not it's about this that's why we're sitting at tables today to share and break bread together to have discussions and be in relationship with each other and with christ and this is why jesus said i am the bread of life when the hour came again this is passover we know why now jesus this happened at passover when the hour came jesus and his apostles reclined at the table Hopefully we're reclining or somewhat comfortable this morning. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. He gave thanks 
and he broke it, gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. This was a special moment Jesus shared with his disciples. Fortunately for us, we get to share it with him as well. So we're going to do that this morning. We're going to spend some time focusing on bread being the body of Christ, broken for us. And this is virtually mostly unleavened bread which is very similar to what Jesus would have had back in the day. It wouldn't have been, you know, white wheat, you know, or pumpernickel raisin, and that's fine. But this is about as close as we're going to get this morning to making that happen. So I'm going to invite you guys. We're going to pray together. I'm going to invite you guys to break bread together, to share it. Have your fill. It's not just, oh, I'm limited to a piece. No. I hope there's no pita bread left at your tables. I hope it's gone. And that you guys have shared the body and blood of Christ this morning. I hope that, I hope that maybe this sinks in in a different way for myself and us in, included. That we never get so far apart from remembering that this is what it's about. It's not the lights or the TVs or a big show. It's not the cool songs or the big band or small band that's done. It's not the cafe and the hospitality stuff. It's not. It's this. This should be why we come. Not just in bread and grape juice, but communion, being with the Lord. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. As you said, you, you broke the bread and you had the cup and you gave thanks. So we give thanks, God. We give thanks for these elements that are symbolic of the sacrifice of your Son for our sins. We give thanks for the ability to meet here together, to fellowship, to commune with not only fellow believers in this body of Christ, but with you. Help us remember that you are the bread of life, and that whoever comes to you will never be hungry or thirsty. God, in your word can be found every answer. Those who are hurting or seeking or searching this morning have the answers with you. If we feel like we're drowning, God, your word is the breath of life which can speak into us in new ways. And in our joy and celebration this morning, because it is a joy and a celebration to come into your house, this holy place, And set aside time for you. And this joy may, may be also partnered with remembering what you went through 
to give us that joy, to give us that freedom. God, as we break bread and share the cup this morning, be with us. We give thanks for this time and we offer it back to you. Amen. Feel free to share communion at your tables for the next few minutes.